one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. As you'll discover, we had a slight technical issue at the top of the show, but luckily a caller came through on the telephone to uh, to help us out. Uh, Michael Calvin joined us. He's got a new documentary on BT Sport uh, tomorrow called Ours, and, uh, which is very good. Do recommend it. And uh, he told us uh, a bit more about that. And um, we had a bit of a conversation, Andy and I, as uh, we always do. And uh, there was sad news yesterday, of course, about uh, the death of Glenn Roder. And we um, played an old refocus feature that we did back in 2017, which sadly was the last time we uh, spoke to Glenn. But I think it served as a nice tribute uh, to the man, really. So uh, here it all is. I normally say good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And you thought well, he was hogging the intro a little bit there. Well, there's a good reason for that. We have a technical issue that has uh, just happened, uh, which means uh, not for the first time phoning it in. No, of course not. <laughs> Andy Jacobs on the phone as we try and sort out uh, his link to, to his home. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Might as well stick yep. with tradition. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. <laughs> oh, hello, Paul. Love the show. First Thanks time, very Paul. much. Anyway, Andy's from Chiswick. He's a Chelsea fan, and, uh, well, there was a big controversy, of course, in the Chelsea game, Andy. Yeah. I guess that's why you've called in to uh, yes, talk sports. So you have your say on Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and his take on what went on yesterday. Well, Andy, tell us what you think, mate. It's always great yeah, to have first-time callers on. <laughs> Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is the most disingenuous man I've ever seen in my life. He never says anything when United get decision after decision. Maguire in the recent Chelsea United games has had so many decisions. He's like, never said a word. Then he starts complaining and saying, oh, they mentioned it on the Chelsea website. That's what influenced the referee. Give it a rest, mate. You get a lot of decisions, really. And I didn't think it was a penalty anyway, despite what Peter Walton thinks. I didn't think it was a penalty. Uh, you start to look, some of these penalties that are being given, there's no deliberateness about it. There's nothing about it that's a penalty. He's not even looking at the ball. They're both going, oh, his arm's in a natural position, but they are, both arms are, both players' arms are in that position because they're challenging for the ball. It's called football. Honestly, the referees that devised this, well, we know it is who's devised it, they're idiots. They're just idiots. The hairballs that are being given are ludicrous. They really are. Uh, the game was a bore, though, wasn't it, really? It, yeah. It was, just wasn't enough in it. You know, this, we're going to talk about it. So many of these games are just so tedious. I mean, next week, it's Man City versus Man U. You, you can't look forward to it. You just think, 
oh, it's going to be another nil-nil. It's going to be another dire, dour game. I don't know whether it's lack of fans. I don't know exactly what it is. But some of the football in the big games this season has been really poor. Still, good win for your lads. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, it was uh, pretty comfortable, wasn't it? I mean, even, even I was comfortable. I'm normally at 4 now. I'm thinking, oh, it's too early. They get one back now, we'll be on the back foot. But I, I honestly, I, I didn't kind of particularly feel that. Although I actually don't think Burnley played that badly. They gave it a go. I mean, they did at the back, obviously. But they, you know, they tried to get on the front foot. They tried to create. I've seen us, I've seen us against worse opposition than that and win uh, more than four nil. But uh, yeah, it, well, yeah, it wasn't the finest. But whenever they play a top six team, inevitably they get thrashed. I, I don't quite. They get rolled over a lot, Burnley, for a team that. Yeah. You know, we've got a manager like Sean Dyche, a decent team. I thought Regulon makes a big difference for Spurs. Mm. You really missed him when he was out. Yeah. He's a decent, some people think he's the best left back in the, in the league. Well, Jamie, really... Jamie Redknapp doesn't. Yeah. I think Roy King begs to differ. But no, he's a good player. I think, he, I think he makes a difference. I do. Yeah. Brighton finding new ways to lose. That's really incredible. How did they lose? Oh, no. I know, that was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, we've got Motti joining us a little bit later on. We're going to have a good look at that. We're, one of the things, I don't know if you've seen this, Andy, the, the Pope uh, I, I did an interview. I don't, I, I don't think it was in the Star. I think it was from some kind of ecclesiastical magazine. I don't yeah. think he's on the promo trail at the moment. He hasn't got a, a new book out or anything. But um, he confessed that he does no physical exercise. Um, really? Yeah, he said he's a sedentary... He's 84, I mean, but he said, I'm a sedentary person, he said, because he has constant physio on a, a sciatic nerve problem in his back but I mean you'd, you'd be a bit shocked wouldn't you if you were in Rome on holiday and then you suddenly saw him uh, having a jog and suddenly there's the old Pope I mean he'd be, he'd be, yeah they probably have got a cross trainer and he's, he's probably I imagine they'd be secure. there's a bloke in the middle 84 year old fella shuffling along having a jog surrounded by kind of Vatican guards in all the Larry outfits with their big Pikes, mm. that would be uh, that would be marvellous. So we just wondered if there's anything in uh, watching the stars keep fit, not necessarily sporting stars, because that's something you would you would probably expect. But maybe the stars beyond. I mean, the unlikely ones like the Pope going for a jog, uh, that he would stand out. So let us know this <laughs> afternoon. Talksport.com, text eight ten eighty nine, or tweet to TS eighteen. Yeah, you got Zumba. Queen at Zumba. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, nice idea. Have you, uh, have you seen that Rochdale, they've now gone 16 home games without a win. Do so you think sometimes it's good there's no fans, really? I mean, how bad would that be to have to put up with that? And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Michael Calvin about his show. I've watched uh, a little bit of it, as you suggested I would. Mm. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And it, very timely, I think. Yeah, it's, it's called Owls. It's a story of fan ownership and the way football is going, the different aspects of it from the... Ones where the fans have ultimately come through uh, to those that are kind of fairly new in a situation where, like Barry, uh, where, you know, we talk about Phoenix clubs being the answer, but there the Phoenix club has really divided people in Barry who want to go back to Gig Lane, want their old club back. They don't want a Phoenix club because they feel so, and it, it's all got quite toxic. So it, it's yeah. a really complex subject. But Mike, as he always does, has done a brilliant job with this documentary. I watched it over the weekend and, and it looks at things like Hashtag United and the old Ebb's Fleet experiment, My Football Club. It's really interesting stuff. So Mike, he's pretty well placed to tell us what the future of the game is under uh, fan ownership. Um, Michael Naylor says, I'm enjoying Andy's contribution to that. It reminds me of commentaries from the 1978 World Cup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am Campers. You could be doing a little bit of that, can't you? Oh, dealers. Yeah, yeah. Give us a bit of a commentary, Andy. But it, we, we, you, you can take us through some of the games. I, uh, I watched the rugby. It's the second international I've watched this season. 
England are incredibly useless, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, there we are. That's quite direct. You I call mean, us, I, you think I, you can get away with anything. Yeah, I have. I really, honestly, that sport, if ever a sport is flawed, it's rugby union. Farrell, he takes so long taking penalties. If he gets five penalty kicks, it's ten minutes of the match while he stands there looking at the ball, looking at the stand, looking at the ball. Looking at... Nothing's moving, mate. Just get on with it. <laughs> really. This, why, this was Andy's short-lived period as the kicking coach for England rugby. <laughs> Didn't last long, really. <laughs> get on with it, mate. It's not Nothing's yeah. moving. Get on with it. Yeah. So you put in the scrums, each one takes two minutes. Put in the kicks the Welsh kickers had. You get about 35 minutes play out of the 60 minutes. It's absolutely yeah. 80 minutes. It's rubbish, isn't it? Did anyway, you, Andy, did you see like... something very quickly? Some of the secrets of uh, the tricks of the trade that Chelsea have been employing. I see Thomas Tuchel has been doing training sessions with tiny balls. Have you heard about this? They train yeah, sometimes yeah, with yeah. these tiny balls. And the other thing we hear at the weekend is that the players microwave their boots. Uh, mm. Before the game, that's right. So they yeah. uh, they put them in the microwave, give them a nice uh, warm up. I mean, they're pampered footballers. I mean, what am I, I'd love to see Roy Keane's arched eyebrow uh, if he was in a dressing room where one of his teammates was suddenly removing his boots from the microwave. Billy, Billy Meredith putting his boots in, in the oven. Yeah, that's, with yeah. all those metal studs and all bit, you know, it wouldn't have been a great idea in sparking <laughs> everywhere, wouldn't it? So, yeah, modern boots to be the pull on types, tight to fit in, can be a tight squeeze. So, when it's cold, we like to microwave our boots. The game's gone. Uh, caller, hasn't it? Well, Andy, it's been lovely talking to you. And uh, see if we, if we can find you £100 worth of vouchers for your call of the week. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Daily Ali um, got a little bit of game time yesterday, but sad news we read in the Sun um, the weekend that he has split up from his, uh, his uh, partner, uh, Ruby May. Um, because right. uh, friends apparently saying they were blaming the amount of time he spent online playing Fortnite, oh, so <laughs> she could take it no more. We did it. Actually, I was I was told by someone who's uh, friends with the girlfriend of a Premier League player that he would come back from training. They've split up now as well, I think. But he, w- he would come back from training. Not it wasn't Delhi, but someone else. But yeah, come back from training, get on the PlayStation. And mm. then that was it for about the next 10 hours, apart from sort of <laughs> eating something and going to the loo. And then it was bedtime. And, uh, and so that, that was the relationship, she said. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, it was all, wonder it was why they're not weird. together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking, going back to the rugby, I, I saw uh, uh, the amount of stick that Sonia McCocken, the interviewer, got for yeah. her interview afterwards. And I watched it. I thought it was a reasonable journalistic interview. I don't really understand these people, really. But, you know, for her to end up crying, really, she should get off Twitter. Everybody should. It's toxic. But there was that same old thing. One woman had to put a thing saying, can you all stop trolling me? I'm not that Sonia McLaughlin. (laughs) People just don't even bother. They just see somebody with the same name and they just have a go at her. You know, you think, oh, it's an unpleasant thing, isn't it? It really is, really. Anyway, Um, sorry, you got time for one more? Well, more and more pleasant yeah. note. Uh, this is some information about meerkats. Meerkats have showed fresh interest in humans after zoos reopened. Yeah. Uh, animal behaviour. Well, they can't help show interest. That's what they do. You ever seen a meerkat? <laughs> well, I, I just wondered they if they were. Up. They look up and they look interested. They cannot look no, disinterested meerkats in anything. Have you? That's, that's the whole. Look at them. They just, what? <laughs> 
They have a look round. <laughs> the old head goes about, they look up. They, that's what they do, and they look interested. <laughs> Were they comparing each person? I just no, they, never mind. So why, who says they look interested? That's not, that's not a Animal fact. behaviourists. Well, yeah, but anybody who's ever seen a picture of one on a wildlife show would know that. <laughs> Perhaps you're an animal Shouldn't behaviorist. he be at work, that animal behaviourist, really? For goodness sake. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There's been, uh, understandably, many tributes to Glenn Roder since the news emerged that he'd sadly passed away uh, yesterday and um, apart from his football accomplishments there's been an awful lot of talk about him the kind of man he was we had Motti there paying his own personal tribute to someone he regarded as a friend and a and a good guy and that's really come across so um, we we spoke again a number of times over the years of course on, on the show in his different roles but I think the last time we spoke to him was back in January 2017, when he uh, he agreed to do one of our little regular features on the show at the time, and I think it kind of gives you a feel for the kind of man he was, and it's an opportunity to look back on a little period of his career as well. So let's take you back to January 2017 and uh, a refocus with uh, Glenn Roder. Good afternoon, it's time to refocus once again. We go through an old shoot match, 90 Minutes magazine, and we find those in-focus, focus-on features where a, a professional footballer answers a few random questions. Yes, it's a test of memory. It certainly is. In this case, um, we take Glenn Roder back to his days as a fresh-faced QPR defender. Good afternoon, Glenn. Good afternoon, chaps. Yeah, this face defender. That's hundred years ago. Oh, look! Yeah, you oh, blimey, you're so youthful. Yeah, you look good. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's get underway. We always ask weight. What was your fighting weight at QPR, Glenn? Would you say? Uh, around about. Uh, I'm still old fashioned. Thirteen stone seven. Well, you were actually you were twelve seven at this point. You had stone lighter. Yeah, I probably didn't tell the truth on that question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got fined. That's yeah, through the manager read you on a diet. That's a very good point. Now the car. Can you remember the car you may have been driving then? Yeah, four-door Cortina, only three doors opened. <laughs> well, now, look, it says it. It says a Ford Escort. Was does this pre? Is that after the? You moved up oh, in the sorry, world. I thought that was my first car. Ah, okay. So ah. this was the one you were driving now. So at this stage, so the Escort. So you finally you managed yeah, to sell the Cortina, even though three of the doors opened. Yeah, as a two-door one. <laughs> I think it was interesting here. You were asked who your most difficult opponent was, and you were pretty cagey about the answer. Do you, do you remember what you said? Um, no, not really. Yeah, he said you didn't want you didn't want him to know. So now you can want him to know. So you can name him now. Who was your most difficult opponent then at that time? Uh, undoubtedly, the most two difficult opponents I put those a well, very well known forward uh, duo of uh, Daglish and Rush. Ah. Right. Okay. They, 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 well, they know now. Yeah, they're just right. Yeah, if you ever play a vets game against them, <laughs> uh, they're gonna they're gonna know definitely. The worst thing I ever did was uh, playing for Newcastle. I accidentally uh, uh, cut. Uh, Ken Daglish's knee, which needed stitches, and when he looked at me, hand on the ground, I thought, "I wish I'd have done that." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So at this stage, it says um, best country visited. Remember what you might have said? Uh, um, no, I don't know. now now I'd say now I'd probably say something like Australia and New Zealand. So I've right. been down there three times. 
Yeah. A bit more... Not, not quite as exotic. Not quite as exotic, but a lovely place to go. You said Ireland. Ireland, Ireland it was, yeah. yeah. Ireland, yeah. Was this... It used to go on you know, pre-season tours. There used to be a lot of pre-season tours in Ireland in those days, but uh, was that just holidays you'd been on? Yeah, holidays. Um, I used to, uh, it's a long time ago, used to breed some greyhounds and have them reared out there and we'd mm. go out and visit them. Right. Uh, convinced my wife to take her honeymoon there. Right. Uh, told her it was always sunny. And believe you or not, the week we were there, it was hotter in Ireland that week than it was in Mallorca. Wow. So uh, I got jammy because it's normally raining. Yeah, that's Beautiful. probably in the record books. That is. And that leads us on mm. to mis- miscellaneous likes. That ties into something you just said. Um, you said, taking care of my two racing whippets. Yep, yep. I used to, really for a, for a London lad, I was a bit more like a northern lad. I used to like racing whippets. Hmm. But you did have, so, uh, well, yeah, you had Walthamstow not a million miles away from where you were born, though, didn't you? No. You had the dogs there. Walthamstow, Romford, yeah, yeah all, all, that, all, that, all those places. What was the difference so, between racing whippets and racing greyhounds? Was it, it's not, it wasn't the same. Well, thing, a greyhound, greyhound's probably about four times bigger than a whippet. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and a whippet would probably only go flat out for about 250 yards, where uh, a greyhound would run for as, as much as half a mile. Oh. Wow. Um, okay. Favourite food? What would you have said? It's very footballer, this, from from that era. Really. Probably in those days, it would have been the old steak and chips or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you, you might as well have said um, prawn cocktail, steak and chips and a Black Forest Gatto for dessert. You can't get more of a footballer's answer, really, than that. And now, favourite TV shows, Glenn? Can you, can you tell us? Uh, you said you used to like watching the horse racing, but what was your favourite TV show around this time? Uh, oh, it would have been some sort of um, sporting programme. I don't know, Match of the Day or something like that. Well, it's got iconic music, this show, but it's not Match of the Day. Have a listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I, can still, so, I can still see uh, Benny Hill slapping that young lady on the top of the head. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I think it was Jackie. He was a bloke. Jackie was a bloke. <laughs> Two foot tall. And, um, yeah, Benny Hill, you're you a big mixed fan. mixed it up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He kept slapping Jackie on the bum, didn't yeah, he? Well, the little cool. Irish fella. Um, so, yeah. Um, oh, no, I was telling the lads that Benny Hill, I think Benny Hill's career he falls into two parts. Like, the part where he sort of became very commercial and he used to chase women around and do sort of slightly yeah. politically incorrect stuff. That's not, yeah. that's not the worst thing to do, though, is no, it? No. And his earlier <laughs> career... As long, long as you behave yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. But his earlier career where he used to parody other TV shows, I thought he was very, very funny. Well, Glenn doesn't sense. remember that. He's, he's, he's of a sort of similar era to me. You're talking about about 1958, Andy, when he was first on the telly. Listen, I can remember watching the World Cup final in black and white when David Coleman said, for those, for those of you who haven't got uh, colour TV, England are the team that's playing in red. Yeah. <laughs> watching the black and white TV. So favourite favorite singers we've got as well. Who might you have said, Glenn? Um, oh, it'd been something to do with soul singers, Motown type people. Well, one maybe. was yeah, um, Stevie Wonder, and, and the, the other one was uh, the other one you like has been in the news this week from a, in a football uh, context. It was Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, yeah, local yeah. man, lives in Epping. That's and he was doing the FA, the Scottish oh, FA Cup draw, it, the Cup draw the other Very, day. very it's, funny. Go and check yeah. it out; it's, it's worth watching. Now, um, actors and actresses, Glenn, who might you have said? He's hard. It is. Now you got, you got me. You got me stumped yeah. well, on that one. Uh, Peter Sellers, you said. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Le- right. Leslie Ann Down, who was Beautiful. in, uh, who was in upstairs, downstairs, yeah. and was doing loads of telly. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I never watched upstairs, downstairs. I don't know why. The way you chose her, yeah. <laughs> lust probably. Yeah. And and the, say, yeah. and this man, an icon, another icon. Have a listen to this. Now you understand. Anything goes wrong. Anything at all. Your fault. My fault. Nobody's fault. It don't matter. I'm gonna blow your head off. It's as simple as that. It's the Duke. Yeah, it John really, Wayne doesn't really sound like John him, Wayne. Really. Cowboy yeah. films, as, uh, as my mum's influence. Oh, <laughs> now, um, what else have we got left? Well, your best friend at the time. Your best friend, you said, yeah. Uh, someone called John Bronskill. Absolutely was, right. Well yeah. Done. You said you played together for Millhouse FC. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a Sunday team. What about uh, John went on into the city, and I, I was fortunate. Enough to have a, a career in football. That's brilliant. Well, look, it's been good to talk to you, Glenn. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for the, the phone call. I've enjoyed it. Go and dig out those Benny Hill tapes. Thanks very much, Glenn. That's <laughs> okay. Glenn Roder there, uh, former QPR and Orient uh, defender, of course. There we are, just taking you back to uh, 2017 when we last spoke to Glenn Roder. Great shame, the news yesterday that he'd passed away. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. We're going to give you the clips of the month now for February. It's pretty straightforward. If you go to um, Twitter at TSHNJ, T-S-H-A-N-D-J, we'll have two semifinals. um, Strip it down to a final of uh, your two favourites and we'll play the winner again just before four o'clock when we hand over to Ray Parler or Adrian Durham. Thankfully, neither of the lads are featuring in the shortlist today. We'll kick off with Jim White, who had a question for the Sheffield United owner, Prince Abdullah. You've now taken nine points from a possible 15. Can I ask you a hard question, though, before that? Did you ever doubt that Chris Wilder was a man? (laughs) 
I don't think I would have done, would you? <laughs> no. I think the evidence is there not. for everyone to see. <laughs> Clear, really. This is Trevor Sinclair now, who clearly wasn't particularly enamoured with a Spurs player. I think it's, it's, it's naive to go at a team and think, right, let's just have it with them. Sit in deep, don't give anything away, try and frustrate them, and then if you've got tools like Harry Kane... It's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is really. No need for that, Trev. Um, <laughs> Sam Matterface now at Barnsley versus Chelsea, and there was some things you just wouldn't reveal to someone on national radio. We tried to take them on at their own game, said Corley Woodrow, reflecting on these clubs' last meeting. That said, Woodrow was a mistake. Again, you want to find that sort of thing out behind closed doors, don't you, from the family? <laughs> Not on national was, radio, Sam. I'm sure what a reveal. Very, it's, a very bit, it's a bit of Jerry Springer, that was. <laughs> it was. This is Nigel Botherway on Fisherman's Blues, and he does get some very interesting contributors. Another good message I got from a new TalkSport listener, Chloe, a stray seal that had been seen in the Thames at Teddington. Oh, it's great, isn't it? I did, I, I, how they How do they use their they? phone? Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's very clever. Maybe it, maybe it was an email. Maybe Kevin Nolan did it on the iPad for Chloe. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, Jim White and Martin Keown in full carry-on mode. Martin, let's get this out of the way first. I've just been having a quick chat with Ray Parler, who's asking very kindly oh, for yeah. you. He said, get Martin off to a great start. Ask him, did he ever pursue Chris Sutton up the tunnel? Oh, <laughs> it's the all it's the all that makes it in the Kenneth Connor styling. <laughs> it was. And finally, yes. it's Mark Saggers with one of his epic pre-match intros, this time ahead of Chelsea versus Burnley. Chelsea are out there, so too are Burnley. Well, I like my roast uh, beef just a little blue, but I like my claret hot, which is what Burnley are. Uh, it's not going to be a meal for everybody, this one, but I tell you what, meat on the bone for both needed today at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> I like that one. He likes, he likes <clears throat> he's on the old um, mould wine, isn't he? The, the hot wine. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, there's a new um, BT Films documentary uh, tomorrow, and that's on BT Sport, of course, and it's called Ours. It's written and narrated by our next guest, friend of the show, Michael Calvin. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, chaps. It's. I really enjoyed it. It's. A, it's a fascinating subject. You look at that. That bond really between supporters and the, and their clubs and different stories of fan ownership. Some successful, some not so much. And the changing face of of fan ownership and fan involvement in in football. Yes, it was a, a bit of a cathartic exercise for me, as much as anything. Uh, you know, basically, I'd fallen out of love with the games elitism and greed um and i almost wanted to reconnect with what being a, a football fan felt like and you know we we looked at so many different examples but we met so many good people doing the right things for the right reasons and it basically re renewed my faith in football it began um on a station platform of, of all places. Um, I was researching a book and wanted to look at the, the whole Berry experience and met a guy called James Bentley. And I'd never heard a fan talk about what had been taken away from him with such clarity and such poignancy. Um, you know, he was frankly lost. Mm. Berry FC around for more than a hundred years suddenly were wiped off the map, excluded from the Football League. Gig Lane had the air of 
an untended grave. They had all these shirts which had been mottled by by rain and sun, and and, and um, you know you had mold growing on them. And he spoke about what that football club meant to him and his family. You know, we were we were at the station because that was where his great grandfather, who indirectly got him involved with football. Uh, had gone to war in 1914. That was the station where the Berry team in 1903 left for Crystal Palace and the FA Cup final, which they won 6-0, returned as heroes. So it was almost a reminder of what a football club means to an individual and also the community that it it serves. Mm. Yeah, he talks about his match day routine. I think we could all identify with that, that really the match is the least important part of it. It's all the being together, being with your mates, chatting before halftime and all that. But one thing that struck me, Michael, is that we've heard a lot about how football needs fans, and it certainly does. We've seen that. But fans need football too. It's a very much a two-way thing, this. Oh, absolutely. And it's what I found interesting. We went to a a, a Berry AFC game where there were 150 people in socially distanced crowd. And it made us realize how much we'd missed the authentic football experience. There are a couple of, you know, wonderful cutaways in the, in the film. There's in the corner, there are a couple of scallies trying to uh, scale the wall, get in for nothing. And there's a, there's a a young girl with a, um, a halftime hot dog. And we can all relate to those sort of things. You know, you and Paul, season ticket holders, you know, you relate to the game by, I don't know, there's always a guy down the road, down the row with a, with a gammy leg that you've got to step over to get to your seat and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And it was the, it's the simple pleasures of football that I think we've all missed. And, mm. you know, obviously the lack of fans has, has created a huge void uh, in the game, um, both emotionally and financially. We're at a time when football is changing, it's evolving. You know, because when you think of it, uh, you know, football as we know it is a Victorian institution. You know, the pyramid's been around for a, a long time. And we, we are probably going to get to a stage where we're going to have a Super League, a European Super League type model, more elitist, but I, I think hopefully one of the great messages from the film, uh, and this is why we called it ours, is that fans can take ownership of their football club, sometimes literally, mm. but other times emotionally and philosophically. And I think that's where uh, hopefully the message from this, from this film will, will resonate, which is fans, take control of your own destiny here. You can do a lot of social good. You, you, your football clubs are an asset to your community. Mm. Make sure you make the most of it because as the guys at Berry have dis- discovered, it's the old Joni Mitchell line, isn't it? You, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Absolutely. Yeah. You spoke, I thought it was a very interesting chat you had with uh, Professor Simon uh, Chadwick, who's a kind of sports, business, politics academic, who mm. said... He kind of drew this comparison with sort of like a, almost like boutique football clubs. You think of artisan bakeries and and craft breweries and the way things are going. And people can at the lower levels have that kind of involvement with their club. You know, they can that sort of ownership at that level. It's always going to be so much more difficult in the Premier League, but at that level, if you're supporting clubs, it can be like that. Absolutely, and and I wonder, you know, Paul, whether or not one of the byproducts of the pandemic will be 
almost a people wanting to reconnect with the game at that sort of very almost hyper local level mm. where you know go down to your local non-league club you know it costs you what eight ten quid to get in you can have a pint with your mates you change ends at half time uh you don't go to a stadium which is a basically a glorified shopping center you know you you go there and to be honest, does the standard of football matter that not much? No, you can still identify with players. I can probably, the worse players are, the, the more I can probably identify with them because I was a terrible <laughs> player. You know, so it, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I don't knock the Premier League. I don't knock the, you know, I knock the, the, the sort of hyper elitism of it, but mm. uh, there are plenty of clubs in in the Premier League. You, know, you look at someone like Brighton, who are very community conscious, and uh, they do great work in their community. Um, you know, you look. You have to look at the way the bigger clubs have supported the food banks program. Fans can have a positive impact on the game, and you know, let's face it, we all know what the ills are. We all know the problems of of increased and concentrated tribalism. But also, you know, one thing that I found from doing uh, ours was the the fact that there is a new culture emerging. And I was really surprised because, you know, let's be honest, chaps, we're of a certain generation. Mm. I'd, no, I'd never heard of the Sidemen who've got this partnership with Lake Norian. Mm. Now, that's a group of YouTubers who've got a collective reach of 110 million people. Mm. Their videos have been watched by 27 billion people and they basically it's a, it, they, they're using the old brisbane road because they get mobbed when they go and try and do one of their videos in a park mm. now football maybe has another audience in there you know what we're looking at there and in and another example called hashtag united mm. Their audiences are aged between 19 and 25. It's an audience that football, as we know it, is not reaching. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I mean, I thought the hashtag United stuff was was really, really interesting and their model on the way. But the stuff about Ebb's fleet was fascinating as well. We remember that. We were kind of on air during that whole experiment of my football. It's fascinating stuff. I do do just want to say, though, very quickly, I know we've got to move on. Fans of big clubs, though, I mean, Michael said that you and I are both season ticket holders, Paul, but fans of big clubs are still football fans. And I think the European Super League is a massive misjudgment by clubs. Fans of big clubs still have that same feeling for their club just because it's Chelsea or Spurs or Liverpool, they still have that same passion as if it's Berry. You know, I think so. Uh, absolutely. You don't support a brand, do you? You support a football club. And when you go into a European Super League, a sterile environment, you basically, you're, you're being lumbered with supporting a brand. Yeah. Well, I look forward to, uh, uh, I'm sure the audience will love it. It's um, BT Sport 1, 10.30 tomorrow. It's called uh, Owls. And uh, we wish you well with it, Michael. Thanks very much. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Just time to bring you the winner of the Clips of the Most. Thanks to everybody who voted. We do all the subtle stuff, Andy, but what's the point? They love the smart, let's be honest. Um, and uh, the winner was Jim White and Martin Keown in full carry-on mode. Disappointing for me, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the nation have spoken. Martin, let's get this out of the way first. I've just been having a quick chat with Ray Parler, who's asking very kindly oh, for yeah. you. He said, get Martin off to a great start. Ask him, did he ever pursue Chris Sutton up the tunnel? Oh. 
<laughs> it's probably the all that makes it. The all's good, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there we are. Ray's coming up next. He's alongside Adrian Andy back with me on, well, actually on Thursday for the birthday spread. You can hear a, a, a very upset Max Rush then quite possibly again. But Max is here tomorrow. There's <laughs> um, a lot about your listenership, by the way. That that one. <laughs> Says it all. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. I'm back tomorrow from one with uh, Max Rushton. Andy will be here um, uh, late on Thursday for the birthday spread with Jeff Peters and then he'll be back with me for the show on Friday. Do hope you can join us tomorrow. If not, the podcast will be available at around five o'clock. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.